Well, good morning. Um, last weekend uh, was a scheduled get- getaway for Rachel and I, and uh, we wanted to go to Vancouver, and so uh, and Lake Moraine and, and Banff National Park. Um, and I've mentioned Lake Moraine and, and Banff National Park. It's on my list. Uh, I'm in love with uh, all the pictures I see on Instagram. And, uh, and so when we discovered that uh, Lake Moraine uh, was an eight-hour drive from Vancouver, well, we thought, well, for a three-day weekend, we're just going to go to Vancouver. And so uh, we ditched uh, Lake Moraine, and uh, I, I wanted to show you some pictures uh, from Vancouver. Now, they're from, they're from Google because my phone just isn't as good uh, of quality. And so um, this is uh, Vancouver. It, have you ever seen a picture of Vancouver? It's so gorgeous. Look at that. It's like out of, it looks like that's not even real. That's English Bay. Uh, I think our next picture is, uh, got uh, Mount Baker. I think that's the name of that. But um, living in a city with like a view of a mountain, oh, that's a dream of mine. And then uh, there's another uh, shot from the ground from uh, English Bay and part of Vancouver. And so I love this place. Um, And then uh, there's uh, Capilano Suspension Bridge Park. Have you ever heard of this place? It's a park that has a bunch of bridges going through uh, the, the forest. And so um, if that is, anyone need a, a bag to um, get sick in? We don't have any, so you're going to have to leave. Um, look at how beautiful that is. How magical would that be? Walking through like, uh, you'd see Chewbacca at one point in here. Um, and then someone abandoned their cat, uh, which was really sad uh, to me. That's not true. It was, the owner was there. Uh, But here's the thing about um, Vancouver and Capilano Suspension Bridge Park. We never went. We didn't go last weekend. And some of you who saw me over here last weekend are like, you were uh, were here last weekend. We never went because Brian dragged his feet on a lot of things. We got the passport pictures taken. They were uh, not good for me, at least, um, but they were there. And who looks at passport pictures anyway except the grumpy people that you go through customs with? Um, we, we didn't get them finalized, though. Uh, we didn't buy the tickets. Uh, I, I drug my feet in getting childcare set up for the kids because it was going to be just for Rachel and I. And, and here's the thing. I knew that if I had purchased the tickets, if I had just purchased those tickets, it would have forced me to do every other step necessary because we're not going to invest money in airline tickets and then not use them. And there's some other factors um, that Rachel, I'm sure, will like to do a corrections corner with you if you want of why we didn't go. But uh, that's the majority. To me, if I would have purchased those tickets, I would have made everything else happen. And so the way to get to a a place that you want to go see and experience is to actually go. Can we put that up on the screen? You need to actually go. You need to to make sure that those little steps, that you move forward in them, or you're never going to be there, and you'll end up just doing a bunch of landscaping in your backyard that's really just going to get washed away with the next rain anyway, and the grass isn't going to (sighs) grow. Because that's what I did last weekend. Before we get into our series, uh, Tangible Kingdom, I wanted to take a look at our scripture uh, for this morning first. Uh, We're going to be going back to near the beginning, not all the way to the beginning, but pretty early on, we're going to be in Genesis, and I'm going to give you some context uh, for where we're going to be picking up. Humanity is still gunked up. It is just, it's 
It's gotten better, I think, with the kingdom of God and, and this message of Jesus over the past few thousand years. But, but humanity is still uh, a species that uh, feasts on violence at this point in Scripture. It's, there's tribalism. This clan destroys that clan. My God can beat up your God, and we're going to show that to you by destroying your uh, clan and taking over your land. And so uh, God starts working on the plan. The big plan to redeem and rescue humanity from itself. And he's trying to rescue us from that sin, the tribalism, and our proclivity to oppress and degrade one another. We've still got a long way to go, but I want to talk about uh, the beginnings of this plan. And so open up your Bibles or uh, crack open your Bible app. We're in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, this was before he was Abraham, Ham, by the way, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Lot was his uh, nephew. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, there it is, see, nephew, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent. And with Bethel on the west and I on the east, there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. And then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. The Negev being even further in uh, the land of Canaan. And so uh, there's some big plans happening here. Abraham is part of these big plans that God has to redeem, to redeem and to rescue uh, humanity. And remember, this guy is a 75-year-old guy who has just been told, hey, you're going to have a lot of descendants. You're going to have a lot of kids, countless. As, as far as uh, the stars in the sky are concerned or, or the sand on the beaches. And to a 75-year-old guy who obviously hasn't had kids yet, that might be uh, like a bigger leap of faith to believe in than uh, God wants you to move somewhere across the continent. But nevertheless, Abraham believes. And step one is moving. And so he moves across the continent. We've got a map. It's about 950 miles, give or take, however many, uh, from where he was living at the time to where God said, this is where I want you to go. And so moving to the promised land is part of that big picture. All because he heard God call him to be on the move. Being on the move is part of this big plan that God has for the world. And so today, Abraham is our model of faith with what it means to be on the move. We're in a series called Tangible Kingdom, and we're basing it off of this book uh, that's a really great book to read about what does it mean to be missional, which is a term we're going to be talking about today. And it's based on uh, an additional small group curriculum, which is even better because it gets us talking with other people about what that means. And so the name Tangible Kingdom is strategic. 
Kind of like how any book title should be uh, strategic and maybe a little descriptive. So when people are looking for a new book to read, they kind of uh, get it, right? And so it's looking at the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God supposed to be like? What does that phrase mean? It's a phrase that we throw out all the time. And the church is certainly a part of that. The, the church is uh, the capital C church, the big overarching universal church. But what does it mean? There's a, a lot of people in our world who are, are pretty unimpressed by organized communities of Christ followers, also known as the church. They're unimpressed. They, they might feel very spiritual. They might even say that they love Jesus and try to practice uh, his way, but they have a distaste for anything that has to do with the church and, and how it's often organized. While I believe that the, the church is Jesus's plan for redeeming the world because it's through him and us as part of the body of Christ, I believe that. But sometimes, sometimes I, I get where people are coming from when they express uh, that distaste, when they feel burned out, when they feel like, like it's hypocritical. And so obviously no church is perfect, and if you're new here, spoiler alert, we're not perfect here either. We're not. Because we're made up of humans who are still very capable of uh, negative, toxic behavior. Things that uh, end up costing relationship capital with one another. We make mistakes. We don't treat each other very well, just like any business or organization or family, to be honest. Can you relate to that? Is there anyone's family in here that's super perfect and you never have? You in the back, just kidding. <laughs> They're all looking at you. They want your autograph. So, so how do we make the kingdom of God tangible to people? How do we make it so that they can see that Jesus is at work in their lives and that God wants a relationship with them? Well, we, we believe that it, it starts with a paradigm shift, a mental paradigm shift of thinking differently of what it means to be the church, the community of Christ followers. And we do this uh, here at Woods Chapel, although we don't necessarily try to, we don't necessarily explicitly say that all the time, but that's, that's what we're trying to do. It's built into our vision statement. It's built into our mission. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be introducing you to some new terms that uh, maybe some of you have heard, maybe some of you haven't. Words like missional and incarnational. Pretty impressive, eh? Yeah? Yeah. Uh, feel free to use these with your friends uh, or, or uh, water cooler conversations uh, at your place of employment. Just don't be weird about it, okay? All right? Yeah, so uh, what does it mean to be missional? What's, what's that word? Because it, it, it sounds like a word that we know and that we're used to, but what does that mean? Well, it comes from the word missionary. Specifically, it means to be on mission. It's a mindset of how you follow Christ. Our good old buddy, uh, Patrick Mahomes, he is in a particular mindset today, Right? All of you in red can picture his mindset right now, yeah? He's thinking uh, in game day mode. He's running through his plays. He's thinking about all of these possibilities that could uh, happen on uh, any given play. And he's hungry for a championship, is he not? Is he hungrier than 
Kansas City fans? Maybe. Maybe not. But he's hungry for that championship. And so he's in that mindset that it's game day. And that's why we read this passage that we did uh, about Abraham, is that because he is the very first person that God starts to reveal a little bit of this plan to, to say, hey, I need you to be on the move. Because as a people of God, we are sent people. We are supposed to be sent, which is what it means to be missional. And so Abraham is this great example of responding to God's call to be on the move. Now, he doesn't always get it right. He makes mistakes. But uh, in the small group curriculum, the authors um, kind of put uh, a couple of different reasons for why Abraham should go and why he should stay as a comparison. So he can sacrifice if he goes. He's going to have to leave his land, the, the neighbors that he knows, and pick up his household and move across the continent, never to see those people again. Or he can stay. He can uh, be a blessing to this new land and the people in it, or he can stay for the comfort and stability. Fear of the unknown. What, what's in the land of Canaan? What does it hold for us? Versus boredom. Change versus control, and faith versus expectations. Now, one of these comparisons is super interesting to me. That they decided to compare and contrast fear with boredom. Would you ever say that those are the opposites? Uh, Probably not. Uh, If you were uh, being chased by a, a lion, let's say, and uh, you're running for your life. Or, or no, 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 no. Let's, uh, let's make this more relevant for today. Um, say you're on the football field. You're, you're, you don't have any pads and no gear, no helmet. And the entire offensive line of uh, Jacksonville is running after you. Are you going to be like, oh, I'm so bored? <laughs> As an opposite to the fear that you have? No. You're, I don't know what the opposite uh, of fear in their mind is. But I think it's interesting that Abraham faced a a fear to be on the move versus boredom, that maybe he knew what life was like in Haran and and that God wasn't going to be wanting that to be a part of the plan. And so Abraham is on the move. He moves uh, 950-plus miles to go somewhere new to find out what this call of God is. And like I said, he messed up. He messed up a lot. He didn't always get what it meant to be a blessing to the world. I will bless those who you bless. You will be a blessing to this world. And that's as essential to the call of Abraham as it is to him moving and going. And so of one of those many things that he got right, being on the move is top of the list. Because being on the move means that he's going to be that blessing to the world. That's what is at the heart of being missional, is fulfilling that blessing part of what we're supposed to do, of who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be on the move and blessing this world. It doesn't mean that we have to pack up and move somewhere else. A lot of people, uh, what we end up doing is we say, okay, well, if God wants us to be a missionary, that means I've got to pack up everything and go to uh, the, the heart of Africa or uh, Vancouver or, or somewhere where I don't know 
what's going to happen. But God calls us to be on the move here, to be missional here, right in our own backyard, right in our own place of employment, wherever we are. It, mean, it means responding to those dreams that God places inside of us. Paul was a, a guy who embodied what we typically think of as being a missionary. He uh, was uh, in the first generation of Christ followers, and God called him to be uh, a missionary to the Gentiles, to the non-Jewish people. And so he went all around the Roman Empire uh, meeting people, telling them about Christ, forming communities uh, where they could follow Jesus together. And he wrote some letters, and they ended up being in Scripture. Um, but one of the stories about the people Paul encounters and how they react and are changed is particularly relevant to our series. This is from Acts chapter 16. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothris, I don't know. And the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, and we were expected to find a, a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household was bab were baptized, she invited us into her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Being missional is is wherever you are, whenever you are, with whom you are spending time. That's what it means to be missional. It's a mindset. Just like how Paul had a dream and felt called to go and, and be somewhere. And he goes to a place where he expects people to be praying, and he meets some women there who are going about their day, and they have a conversation. And this movement starts in Philippi. Paul writes a letter to the Philippians eventually. And he talks about their great faith and their joy. And it started with a conversation with some women who were just hanging out at the river. Being missional is adopting a posture, uh, the way of thinking, behaving, and practicing uh, like a missionary in order to reach people through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a mindset. You engage people with this news about Jesus' love and forgiveness. Now, we live in a culture that has been trained to uh, ignore this message. Whether they're, they're trained because they don't see any relevance from Christ followers, or maybe they've had a bad experience and they don't want to hear, but everyone wants to hear about love and forgiveness. Everyone does. And so with the people you come into contact with, how do you engage them? I can't tell you. I can't tell you specifically how to do that. 
that comes out of prayer, that comes out of practicing, uh, it comes out of talking with them, it, it comes out of uh, thinking and, and being strategic, and it comes out of being open to what God might do in your life. Being missional is an everyday paradigm shift, a way of living out your faith. It's a way of talking to people, and so you're always in game day mode. It's not just when you walk into this building. Because the kingdom of God is bigger than these four walls. We flip our minds into being missional. Uh, back in January, um, at youth group, we, we had uh, an event that we called Channel the Flannel. And uh, we did a bunch of uh, fun things where we, we dressed up. We had a photo booth, and uh, we pretended to be lumberjacks. Um, on the right there, there's my friend Justin Torbert. He's swinging a, an axe. It's, it's fake. Um, you probably could see that. I was thankful it was fake because I was next to him when we took that picture. Um, but we're pretending to be lumberjacks, and we played some fun games. And, <clears throat> pardon me. And it was super fun for that night. Um, besides getting to say A at every uh, sentence like they do up in Canada, uh, we laughed at how we looked like Vancouver lumberjacks, right? I assume that's how they dress in Vancouver, and the women all have beards like that. Um, <laughs> probably not. I, if I have offended any Vancouverites, uh, please forgive me. But here's the thing about that. That was, just, that was just a party that we had, pretending to be something that we are not. If you want to be a real lumberjack, you've got to go and and swing that axe. You have to wear the boots and get the long saw with another person to uh, go back and forth. I don't really know what lumberjacks do um, nowadays. Uh, I'm basing this all off of Bugs Bunny cartoons. So, but in order to be a lumberjack, you have to practice that. You have to go out and do what they do. Following Christ means that, that together... Together, we are creating a tangible kingdom for people to see what it means to be in community and how to follow Jesus together. How do you practice forgiveness together? How do you practice being a people of peace together? That's what the tangible kingdom is about. And so being on mission is not just supposed to be a program that's in a certain building. It's, as God's kids, we are sent to tell other people that they are God's kids too. Either we're defined by that mission, or we are not. So we kind of talk about this stuff a, a little frequently, yeah? Um, we, we've even ramped up more and more this past year about this, because our vision here at Woods Chapel is building transforming communities where people are accepted, included, and loved, where they know this, and that they can be a part of building other transforming communities. There's this great quote from uh, a, a, an author named Scott McKnight, and he talks about how our focus, <clears throat> our focus on sin and, and asking for forgiveness and leaving our sinful ways behind isn't just about being a good person. We're not called to be just nice. That's not what it means to follow Jesus. We're called to something bigger and better. Jesus didn't die and resurrect for us to be a bunch of goody-two-shoes. Amen? 
He died and resurrected to send us to be a part of this adventure of building the kingdom of God. And so this is what Scott McKnight says. He says, to achieve victory over sin involves first becoming people who are shaped by love, which is a virtue that orients life toward others. I remember in college, I was meeting with uh, a campus minister. His name is Joe, and Joe was awesome. And, and I felt like I was getting the whole following Jesus uh, down pretty good. And so I sat down with them, and I said, I, I, I don't know what else to do. What else is there um, when, when uh, you believe in Jesus? Like, um, I don't cu- cuss as much as I used to. It's a process, okay? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't do this. I don't do that. I, I'm going to church every week, I, and I had these things. And he was like, you're looking at a list of things to do and that are about you. What does it mean to start looking at what you can do for others, too, and how to, see, how, how to help them see what it means to follow Jesus? And my mind expanded a little bit more that day, what it means to be missional. So much of Scripture helps us how to figure out how to be pleasant around other people because we need that. When we foster the fruits of the—I wasn't looking directly at you, Carrie. <laughs> when we're fostering the fruits of the spirits, things like joy and peace, th- those are things that help us be pleasant around other people. But the fruits of the Spirit also help us be thoughtful toward other people as well, like kindness and goodness and gentleness. Those are things that God wants to have in our lives, not just as characteristics, but as aids, as aids that help us as we follow that missional impulse to view the people around us as people that Jesus loves and and who are in need of community and this message of love and forgiveness just as much as we are. So we can no longer think of the church as a place where people come and sit in a service or experience programs or receive ministry. It's up to us, each one of us, to see what our part is in that. However small that it begins. The church is us going and being and doing. It's not a place where we come to take. We have to make those relationships. So how do you do this as, how do you do this as a, a single parent family? How do you do this as a family unit? Uh, I, I misspoke. Uh, how do you do this as, as a junior high student, as an empty nester? How, how does it look? Well, that's where we have to discern. That's where we have to pray and ask God, how can I be on mission for you? What does it look like for me specifically? How do we open up conversations? How do we build long-term relationships? Because we're supposed to be in this for the long haul. Not just the short-term thing that, that makes people feel like projects. That's why we've been encouraging you to uh, attend or, 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 or throw block parties. That's why we talk about small groups. Because these are ways where we can start forming those communities. We can have those conversations and make meaningful relationships begin. You can't just dress up like a lumberjack and pretend to be one. You've got to swing that axe. And so as Christ followers, we have to be missional. We have to be on the move, like Abraham, like Paul and Lydia, to be a people who can be there for others. 
you've got some homework for this week. Homework's a dirty word. So if that's the word that gets you uh, to stop listening, uh, we've got a project for you. Cross your fence this week. Cross your fence and, and be a blessing to a neighbor somehow. On your street. Next week, cross your street. Find someone that you don't really know and, and just check in on them. See how they're doing. And then the week after that, cross a, a social barrier that maybe makes you a little nervous. But we are called to be on the move. We are, are supposed to be a sent people. So may you prayerfully learn what that means in your life. You sitting and listening and breathing in here. Be on the move. Let's pray. Lord, a lot of times we think to ourselves, I can't do that. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to go about being a blessing. But Lord, we ask that you would take that fear away from us. We ask that you would help us to, to be creative, to be strategic. Maybe that just means listening to someone. Maybe that means that we need to go and explicitly say, hey, come check my small group out. But Lord God, help us as Woods Chapel to build those transforming communities where people are included, accepted, and loved. Just as you include, accept, and love us. We pray this in your name. Amen.